Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today I'm absolutely buzzing. I have a very unique guest with me here on the episode today. Her name is Summer Love. And Summer is a women's empowerment coach and embodiment guide. So Summer works predominantly with females and I work predominantly with males. So I felt that this would be a really powerful conversation and we could perhaps integrate femininity with masculinity and uh, yeah, come up with some valuable knowledge bombs and guidance for all you men listening, trying to understand females, femininity, dating, relationships, all those sort of things. So Summer, how are you doing? Ah, I'm so well, so happy to be here. Feeling very good. I had an amazing morning practice and got to dance and get into my essence. And I feel I feel ready to go. I'm excited. Excellent. Yeah, I can feel your energy. So it's uh, as I mentioned to you, came across your page and it blew my mind. And men, when you come across your page, yeah, you'll know what I mean when you check it out. <laughs> so, oh yeah, in a great way. So. Um, yeah, Summer, how did you get into this line of work? Like, what's what's been your journey yeah. to this point? That's, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, one, just to note on the Instagram, it's so funny because you never, I, you never, like, I don't see it from other people's perspective. So for me, it's like, oh, it's super normal to have amazing art with delicious women who are in their sensual embodiment, in their, in their expressed wild woman in nature, in nude, you know, feeling that ex- extreme power that comes from the feminine. It's very activating for the masculine um, and for the feminine, you know, there's, there's a trigger, there's a code there of like, wait, we all are wild and free. And and so it's cool to hear your reflection, but yeah, how I got into this work, I, you know, I had my first spiritual awakening when I was 12 years old and um, I had a really, you know, intense hip surgery. And it was like, they were going to, it was going to leave my other hip like completely. um, So I couldn't walk or all these different things. And so I was lucky to find um, the law of attraction and Abraham Hicks And I had this like huge awakening at 12, like, oh, I create my reality and I can actually like change this, you know, what the doctor said is going to happen to my body. Like I can change that with the will of my belief and my mind. And so that started me down a path and I got into um, Oracle cards and astrology and all the things. So I had been doing this for a long time, jumped to about 21. This is like a little bit over 10 years ago for me. I moved to Peru and I had a pretty intense experience happen to me. I, I like to say that my greatest gift was my greatest pain. Um, I was uh, like basically attacked in a taxi 
and I was my, they stripped my clothes. They were attempting to rape me and I was able to literally leave my body. And at this time I was heading towards a completely different path. And I think we all can relate. Like when we have these crazy initiations that happen, especially people who are in this really deep awakening happening right now on the planet, we all have our own initiations into this pathway. And so in the middle of all of this craziness of being attacked in a taxi by this violent attacker, I literally left my body and I saw what I didn't know at the time was Mary Magdalene. And she's like, you're here to sing. You're here to be of love. And you're here to ignite the daughters of the roses. And I was like, what? And I had like just prayed for a miracle so I could like survive and get out of the situation. And at that exact moment, I jumped back into my body and the taxi that I was in completely like the engine completely failed and they started rolling backwards. And so the guy who was driving and the more violent attacker who was in the back could not figure out what to do. They had to jump out, get the car situated and I was able to escape and like run away, like run away and like take all, like everything completely worked out. It was a crazy long story that I won't get into all of the details, but it was a really big experience for me because it was an initiation into really trusting that my greatest pain is my greatest gift because it took me down a route of healing. I was on a study abroad. My school sent me home. And at 21 years old, I was like, fuck, they might've robbed me of my innocence, my naivety, but like my dream is to travel alone and to learn Spanish. They're not going to rob me of this dream. And so I called my mom up three weeks later after being home. And I was like, I'm going back to South America. I'm going back to Peru. And it was then that I started this like big healing journey. I went back to Peru. I went back to the site. I went back to heal. I went back to recognize that there was something there for me, that this land, that this, this, what considered to be bad, it was actually an initiation. And so through that, I, ayahuasca found me. It was this incredible journey before ayahuasca was even really popular. And so I went through this process of like deep healing and I realized and recognized so many women have experienced sexual trauma. They've experienced rape. They've experienced molestation. They've experienced shame and guilt for being in their bodies. And so I started to really do all of my healing and bring it to goddess circles that I was creating and goddess retreats. And so it just developed over the past 10 years of really helping women release shame, release guilt, step into their power, step into their voice, step into their knowing. The more that I did that, I could reflect that and help share that. You know, the greatest teacher is the forever student. And so I'm always, uh, I'm always a pioneer of trusting and listening to the heart. And I think a big part of the work, we want to intellectualize it and bring it outside of ourselves, but it's truly the pathway to the heart. And so, for me, my life has been a series of different initiations initiating me into this work. And I don't think I ever thought as a child, I want to grow up and be an online coach and do retreats. Like that was just never what I thought. I've always been artistic and a singer and like loved, loved the aspects of art. And I loved the aspects of being in my body. And so I think through my body being threatened, I was, and leaving my body, my pathway to coming into embodiment was through that initiation that I truly have the power to heal myself. And so again, those series of initiations bringing me closer and closer to the knowledge and the trust within myself that 
all is here to be released and that there's no guilt and there's no shame because it was never about the attackers for me. It was always about why did that happen to me? Why would, why did that happen to me? And so my healing journey, I think as many, many women, we always, we wonder like, why did that happen to us? And so I was able to create a process to heal, to help heal myself, working with different people and different mentors, different plant medicines, and then getting to transfer that and bring that to my clients. And so that's really what started me on this path. Wow. <laughs> Quite the journey. Yeah. yeah, it's been a journey. That's incredible. And yeah, it's just, it's amazing how a traumatic experience can really flip the switch for us. And it can flip the switch and it's a dark room and it's a dark place from there, or else it can flip the switch and light up your life or light up a whole new avenue in your life, which it had done so for you. I can relate to trauma as well I, I was involved in a car accident when i was uh when i was 18 and uh, someone died on the scene i was responsible for that so that was my flip of the switch moment as well and in fairness when i flipped the switch it was into darkness for a good 10 years escaping the the pain and the guilt that was associated with that instant so it took me a long time to actually process that and to yeah, to harness the lessons from it and, and gain strength from that experience. And uh, yeah, but obviously very different for you. We're almost in the actual traumatic experience itself. The switch was flipped. So yeah, very, obviously very different experiences, but the trauma lives in the body the same. So yeah. it doesn't matter what the experience is, whether someone had a terrible, tragic divorce growing up as a child, or they were treated terribly as a child and molested or car accident or someone dying, like trauma actually lives inside of the body the same way. So it doesn't actually matter what, what it does matter not to invalidate this experience, but it lives in the body the same way. And so when we process that trauma and we bring it out, we can use different tools and strategies to bring it out. So it's important to recognize that you know, our, our, what's most personal is most universal. So we all, we, words inspire, but they don't teach. That's why when we share our experiences like this, it helps people see themselves in it. And so what really teaches is experience. Um, and so I've, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I'm also, I think sorry is an interesting English word <laughs> because it's like, it's all divine, but yeah, it's, it was a powerful initiation for you. Yeah, well, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today doing what I'm doing either. So yeah, yeah there, there's something in that for sure. And yeah, do, do you feel that for a lot of the women you work with specifically, I know you work with men before as well, that a lot of their current struggles are based on um, past traumas that they have not yet addressed or processed? Or is that too simplistic? Or is that too, is that too no, common? I, I I think that's a really, I mean, a lot of the women that come to me, they know that they have this thing or this experience in their life that's shut them down. Um, you know, most experiences come from childhood that shape us and formulate us or, um, you know, or, or an instant, you know, like something that I experienced or you experienced. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of them have this, like, have something that gets to be unlocked within their trauma, which is why I always come back to our greatest pain is our greatest gift, because mm -hmm. it helps us shine a light into our darkness to then be able to expand and really be able to bring it up and heal it and move it out of the body. And so a lot of the embodiment work is like, 
we get stagnant in the body. And so it's like, if we can somatically move it out, a lot of the, the guided practices that I share with my clients is to actually move that energy out. Because what happens for women is their voices get shut down. And so when their voices get shut down, their body gets shut down, their orgasm gets shut down, their entire being gets shut down. And so they, they lose touch with their sensuality, their sacred sexuality, their experience as a woman, because they're like a part of your soul flees when you experience trauma. And so a big part of the work of the shaman is to help you bring back your soul into your body. And I truly believe as women, we hold a womb that is our shaman, that is our oracle. And so when we can tune into the womb and tune into the power of that, and as men, you have an energetic womb, you have the potential and the power to actually be able to energetically tune into the feminine through the power of the womb as well. Um, and so when women do that, we can help lead our men, lead the masculine energy that comes from men to come back to that. So it's a very, very powerful dynamic that happens and we need each other. I think that so much of the feminist movement, you know, really divided. I think this is a shadow aspect. There's so many good things that came from the feminist movement, but a shadow aspect of the feminist movement is it's really made women so ultra independent that they're like, I don't need no man. And I will tell you one of the most freeing things that I've ever experienced. And it was shaking me in my boots for the first time I downloaded this code was I need a man and men need women. We need each other. And a big part of what I think is happening right now is the women's work and the men's work are starting to combine and starting to come back together where women can be witnessed by men, men can be witnessed by women, where we can actually heal together again. And these circles can come together. And it's very important that we have our own women's work and our own men's work, but to come together full circle is I think what's, what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. But there is still a, still quite a division there isn't there because when we look at the let's get into the nitty-gritty here like when we look at the rise of uh, pornography usage for example or the surge of subscriptions and females now joining only fans sites you know a, a word that you used there was witness you know to, to witness um the masculine or to witness the, the the feminine and do you feel that this is some sort of way taking the, the female perspective onto joining only fans where they're ultimately bearing all is this a way for them to to be noticed by men again or to, to draw masculinity in and is that really something that you feel is uh is benefiting or hindering um a woman's life you know when she's putting herself out there uh, on sites like this i personally think it all comes down to energetics where does it come from you know i i have a lot of friends a lot of women who are in sex work who are very empowered in it who use their tantric practices to help men um, really be able to like come into the woman's body to like really be able to like breathe and come back down. And so they use sex work as a way to share Tantra. They use that work to actually be able to effectively work with men to help show them. So there's, there's a fine line, you know, only fans, 
I think definitely we have the shadow aspect of anything. And so, yeah, there are women on there that are using it as a way to, for validation, to draw the man in, to use their seduction to, to, to gain money. And, you know, personally, I, I truly believe in choice. And so if that's their choice, I, I'm more power to them. Um, I don't, I think that OnlyFans and pornography is a result of the, the suppression of sexuality in our culture. Um, and you know, we talked about that before the, the podcast and, and how, how imperative it is to recognize how, you know, the, the church has stripped the feminine, has demonized the feminine for hundreds and hundreds of years. And as a result, stripped sexuality and has repressed sexuality. And so I truly believe it's a reaction to the tightness and the restriction of sexuality. People are sexual creatures we are sexual, we are mammals, we're humans that have sex. And because it's been so repressed, people tend to go to porn pornography. I mean, I think porn is like such a, I mean, it's like crack, it's like an addiction. And what happens over time when men only watch porn is they then become only, in, only um, aroused by the on-screen experience. And then they get a woman in their real life and they can't get an erection. They can't like, it's not the same thing for them. And so I think that's detrimental. And I think as a man, it's super important to recognize where is your, where is your, where's your like monkey mind going to And Are you just jacking off or are you actually utilizing sex as a sacred experience? Because that is a sacred life force energy. So what happens when we distort the feminine in religion when it's been stripped away, then we have all of this confusion around sexuality. The true holy grail, in my opinion, and what I truly believe is that is the actual masculine and feminine union coming together through sex. Now, this doesn't have to be a gender thing. This is an energetic thing. And so when the masculine and feminine unite in sex, you actually can create a holy grail. Now, I wonder why that's been distorted for thousands of years because it's the most powerful force on the planet and it's distorted for a specific reason. And it can't, it's not, the distortion is coming back around in our time of awakening. People are starting to become awakened to like, wow, I am a sacred being. Like my sexuality is actually sacred. This isn't dirty. This isn't shameful to, to want and to have experiences. And so I mean, the, the pornography topic is a big, big topic, but I think it's a result of the suppression of sexuality from the church. Yeah, for sure. And I can relate deeply to that topic. Uh, I did have a porn addiction, so I completely mm -hmm. understand it. And I, uh, yeah, the detrimental consequences of it, but also uh, the detrimental consequences of the choices that, I made or the choices that were um, conditioned within me in my upbringing as well, because I came from a, a Catholic background where sex was frowned upon, a lot of guilt, a lot of fear associated with that church. And I was in a Catholic family, Catholic mother, father, grandparents, you name it, whole way down. And I do remember one experience in my teenage years where my mom found, uh, she found uh, a magazine with naked women in it and she made me burn it. And that for me, I think was a defining moment because then I associate naked women and women in general, perhaps, or sex and that, that whole dynamic as something shameful. So yes, as you said, you suppress those 
sexual desires or needs and because you don't express it in real life look I'm, I'm still a male teenage male with tons of testosterone and hormones and god knows what so i had to channel that somewhere else and porn became my my thing it's almost like a it was almost like a safe place to go and then you combine that with experiences where i was in an intimate situation with a woman and yeah nothing would happen and i'd get so anxious and uptight in those situations perhaps because of the shame that was intact uh, from my childhood conditioning you know this this is this is not on a conscious level but subconsciously you know this is wrong this is shameful um and i was very in those situations maybe there's something we can speak about in those situations where things didn't happen what was happening to me was all i was focused on in that experience was how is she feeling how's does she like it you know can i satisfy her or you know so the anxiety took over and obviously the body shut down because of that and yeah that part i'm not 100 sure where it comes from in terms of being so fixated on how she feels in the moment being so fixated on pleasing her that i neglect my own uh, desires and my own um satisfaction in that, in that situation and, and what i'm yearning for so is that something you're familiar with or have you come across anything anything like that with your female clients where the man just isn't cooperating in those situations or functioning perhaps in those situations or what's your understanding of it yeah so i think there's a few components here that i can speak to um one, I think that it's, it's, you know, uh, it's a good thing to be so in tune with the, with the female partner to like want to please them to like want their orgasm to be something that's powerful. But again, like we're so focused on the end results in sexuality of both having orgasms. If we actually take that off the table and this is, this is, this is something that's so powerful. Like let's take even getting hard off the table. Let's take the orgasm off the table. Let's come back to breathing together, being in sync looking in each other's eyes, like actually going extremely slow. And so a lot of what I teach my clients is how to help their men slow down in the bedroom and to breathe with them. What would it look like if like there was only touch on their body without there having to be anything given to her man where she doesn't have to like give them head or he doesn't have to do anything. It's just all about touching. And so we take practices to like, really, really slow down. And that really helps the body start to become more comfortable. And again, when we slow down, we actually are repatterning the brain. We're repatterning what we're used to in the past. Um, because especially porn, it's so fast. Like it, a lot of the mainstream modern porn, it's like pound, 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 super hard, super big, like, like, you know, the woman's like, ah, ah, ah. and it's like a lot of the women that I work with have faked orgasms. I have faked orgasms in the past. And I took a vow like five years ago. I'm like, I'm not going to fake any more orgasms. That's just not, that's not okay because it doesn't give him, it doesn't do anything. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's manipulative. It's not, you know, I did it because I was like, oh, he's trying so hard. Let me just make, <laughs> let me just like give him a cookie, you know, <laughs> because the man wants the orgasm from the woman so bad. So now instead I'm like, I will it's about using the power of the voice too for women. A lot of women don't know how to ask for what they want because their voice has been shut down. And so 
it's there. I tell them, I'm like, you're actually the leader in this. Like your feminine sexuality can lead the masculine because what happens when the feminine is in her magnetic energy, it actually electrifies the masculine energy from the man to like then come forth and, and be able. So before there's any penetration, there's actually like energetic penetration. There's a level of safety. So a woman's like a flower. And in order to open up a flower, there you have to go slow and there has to be energetic safety for the woman. And so I think when men are able to slow down and not have the objective be the orgasm, I think it's really helpful for them to start to repattern their own sexuality. Um, I'm just curious on your end, like how have you healed some of your addiction to porn? Well, there's only a certain amount of pain you can take before you, before you need to make a, a decision. And <laughs> there was a tipping point for me where, uh, with porn, it's a very empty pursuit. You know, you're watching porn and ultimately it's you looking at a screen. And <clears throat> I got so deep into porn that it became a thing where, uh, you know, your, your typical magazines weren't enough. Then it was on to, uh, images on a, on a, on websites, then it was on to videos. And then that, that wasn't enough. And you try all the different categories and you're always looking for that, that bigger hit. It's, it's just like drugs. It just doesn't satisfy anymore. And then I found these webcam chat rooms and that was the peak of my addiction where you'd be in a chat room and people would be watching you and whatever else, it's <laughs> use your imagination. And that became like, that became super, super addictive. And you didn't only have the, uh, didn't, it wasn't just the, the porn, but you also had the attention of others on you and the gratification and the praise and the tension that you got. And, uh, all of that combined just got very, very addictive, but it got to the point where when you finish, when you finish, when, when you come, you're like this massive surge of emptiness comes over you and it's a very it's a very lonely place to be and the loneliness perhaps was was the biggest uh game changer for me that was the tipping point for me i just couldn't i couldn't handle the loneliness anymore because obviously if you're so fixated on porn and in that fantasy you're not playing it out in reality where you know that's real meaningful sex that has some substance behind it you've you, you climax with it with with a woman and you still you can still lie there and and uh you know be together and there's 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 a connection there and perhaps that's what it, that's what i was looking for throughout that whole pursuit was connecting and there is a lot of people who've been in that world of porn and porn addiction and looking for connection is something that's quite common in terms of the reason a lot of people watch porn is just because of broken connections in the past or a poor connection with the mother or and for me it was more of a disconnect within me i was looking i was not looking for a connection on the outside i was looking for a connection on the inside that i just i couldn't find and porn offered that and when i talk about connection it's it's feeling i was numb i was very numb and because of obviously with the trauma as well, when I was younger, that, that just accumulated the, the, the numbness or that just completely numbed me. And I did have, you know, poor connections with, obviously I spoke about my experience, with my mother, 
and didn't have a great connection with my dad. So there was a lot of hurt and, and pain from the past that I hadn't been aware of. And I sat there one day uh, on my own, probably the first time I spent some time on my own and all these thoughts started to come to my mind. And I started to ask myself the questions and I rewinded the clock back and went right back to childhood and started to link up all these connections and lack of connections and how this transpired onto this experience and that experience linked onto this experience and so on and so forth until it got me to the point where I was at, 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 at on that day where I was completely addicted to porn, carrying so much pain and trauma with me. And I said, okay, and, and living a very lonely life, just feeling so alone. Uh, the thing about it too is when you're addicted to porn, you're not going around telling your friends about it. And porn for me was a thing all throughout my college life nearly all through my 20s and you'd be at these parties in college you go off with a girl and as i said most of the time things didn't happen and you're chatting to your friends the next day you're not telling your friends the next morning that oh no look it didn't happen couldn't get it up you're fucking bullshitting you're lying and you're saying oh yeah it was great great sex um so ultimately you're living a life of lies you're you have this whole different persona that's not completely you. So that's where the, again, more disconnect, more isolation, more loneliness. Nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. I don't even know who I am anymore. I was like, okay, this has to change. And I started talking to a counselor at the time. I started journaling, started writing, writing down my thoughts, asking myself some really difficult questions that I'd been ignoring for years. And over time, you know, that's, six seven years ago over time that's that's been a process and it's still an ongoing process but i'm in a very good place right now because of the work i've done on myself so yeah that answer your question <laughs> i think it's really important to speak to because i think a lot of men are probably where you were at six or seven years ago well, like, that's, is- yeah that's that's the thing because i I've spoken about my porn addiction several times on social media and and there's there's actually a podcast episode on it as well so as i shared my struggles with it other men have come forward and say you know what yeah i get it i'm in the same place you are and especially with the isolations and the lockdowns over the last year there has been a lack of connection a lack of connection from your friends a lack of connection in your relationships from dating a lack of connections to your social outlets you become completely disconnected to all this. And again, you're perhaps looking for a connection somewhere else, which is online. You're not going out dating a woman or women every single weekend. You're not having, you know, you're not, uh, you're not having sex. You've all this energy. You need to channel it somewhere. All of a sudden, porn sites start to start to surge. OnlyFans sites, you know, more subscribers than ever. You know, there's a reason for all this. And I think, as I said, when you break it all down, it's it's men looking for a connection and it's mm-hmm. it's just a very you know three clicks on my phone and i'm on a, on, a, on a porn site and it's just so easy and for example you know you go into a porn site you find you find a video bing bang boom you know job is done and you know you're you're somewhat satisfied although not really over a period of time that does catch up with you as i mentioned but you don't have the whole effort of having to date a woman, of having to go through the the risk of being rejected, which is also a big thing for men. And maybe that was something I carried as well, was having gone through a lot of rejections from women in my past. 
uh, you know, it's, it's quite painful. And again, this is sort of pain that men haven't processed or haven't dealt with or haven't addressed or haven't even questioned and said, well, you know, was I really wrong in that situation or was she the one that perhaps, um, you know, she was perhaps the, the, the player there and she she was perhaps the, the person who, who, uh, who hurt me because she was quite hurting herself or she had some issues going on and she couldn't accept me for who I was. So these sort of rejections as well, a lot of guys internalize it. And for a lot of men, they just struggle to express themselves. They struggle to talk. As I mentioned to you, I wasn't going around telling my friends that I had a porn addiction. I told nobody about my porn habits and porn addictions at the time. I was telling nobody that I was impotent in the bedroom. You know, there's no way. That's too shameful. I'd be laughed out of the out of the house. I'd be I'd be cast aside by my friends. Well, at least that was my that was my thought process if I did ex- express it because all these guys were out and they're having sex. Well, so they say. Uh, okay. <laughs> we uh, don't really know. And they were having a great sex, sex life and everything was burning for them. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I want, I want to fit in with these guys. And uh, again, it's just looking for a connection and I had a connection with friends. It's like, I'm holding on to that. That's the only thing I've got. And as I said, what I really was looking for was perhaps a connection within me. And as I've connected to myself, I don't feel the the need or desire to connect others so much where before I would have very easily become infatuated with a woman, I'd very easily fall in love with a woman. And as I said, that was perhaps just me just longing for a connection, longing for an attachment that perhaps I had lost somewhere in my childhood. And uh, exactly. yeah, so it's, it's quite deep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's thank you for sharing. I mean, I think that's so powerful. Relationships are our compass for our childhood wounds in a big way and like where they are, especially when we fall in love easily and we're infatuated and, you know, we go through all of our different experiences. They're here to like shine a light to that, you know, um, a big part of my healing, you know, my dad was a workaholic growing up. And so he never met my emotional needs. And so growing up, I attracted men who were somewhat unavailable to me, whether they were long distance or whether they were busy all the time. Um, And it was like an infatuation that I would like go after these guys that were unavailable. And the more that I began to heal that wound within my father and the heal heal that father wound, I started attracting men that were much more available to me and more I became available to myself and to like this aspect of myself. And so I truly believe that relationships are there to shine a light. And I think that there's a lack of education around sexuality to such a degree that I don't think that men realize that their sperm, their cum is actually a life force energy. It's something that's so, so, so powerful. And so Every time that you come, you're like giving up your life force energy. And there is a practice in Tantra where you like build and you practice and you don't actually release your your cum, but you can still orgasm. And that might be far away for some men who are just now dealing with the addiction, but for other men who are coming out of it and like recognizing that they have the power to orgasm without even coming, that's something that's really, I think, starting to help shape um a new understanding of what Tantra is and and bringing that into your relationship. Um, So, yeah, I, I really, I do think that the, the problem with porn is the, is the connection that we're all, we're all seeking connection in a deep way. And especially with all the lockdowns and everything that's happened, we've, we've lost that physical touch. And, um, and so if we can come back and recognize how sacred our body is, how sacred um, sexuality is and to educate ourselves in that degree, we start to realize, oh, especially as women, I mean, this is a big part of what I teach women is like, 
you are a temple, like you are a sacred temple. And so every time you let a man enter you that isn't in alignment or isn't is toxic for you, like you're bringing that toxicity into your body. And it's the same with a man. When you're penetrating a woman and you're going into a woman, you, you're both taking on that energy of sexuality. So it's really important that you're not just like giving away your energy. And so it's kind of like, like the addiction just keeps happening and it, it takes more and more videos, more and more things to get you turned on. And then when it comes to real life, you can't even, it's like, there's an impotency that happens because it's such a weird thing that happens. And again, if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, it's a part of the distortion that's happened on this planet because that life force energy, that sacred sexuality is such a powerful energetic to create with. Not only does it create children, but you can actually like use it for manifestation. You can utilize that energy of sexuality to bring that frequency and that force back into your life. Um, and so it's a really, really powerful time right now where we're starting to awaken to that. And so I think that there's a, a high level of education. And when you heal it for yourself, you heal it for the next seven generations. You heal it for this, the seven generations beyond you. And we as people, we don't, we don't always have an awareness that like we're carrying our genes. We're carrying, um, we're carrying like our grandfathers, our grandmothers, like all of these people for hundreds of years in our family lineage, like we're also carrying that, especially as women, we have the eggs from our great grandmothers and our children will have ours. And it's like very interesting how interconnected we are. Now our genes do not define us. Bruce Lipton's work, Joe Dispenza's work. I mean, so much of that is showing that like we can change our genes. We're not limited by them. Um, again, it comes back to mindset um, and really, really being able to tell yourself and affirm with yourself like what you're calling in. So I think a man who's struggling with a porn addiction, um, it, something that's really powerful and important is to is to find porn that like it's hard because I guess that would be another question I have for you. Like you can't go back from that. Do you just stop watching porn in general? Like, do you go on a detox and just like completely take it out? Yeah. As if it's like a drug. That was yeah. the only way and uh, yeah. And then it's, it's imagination and it's real life intimacy and sex. And obviously that's a lot more fulfilling, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is for me, an alcoholic getting over drink who, you know, once he has one drink, he can't stop. Same with porn. Mm -hmm. If I, if I start watching porn again, it's going to continue on to the next and the next. And it's understanding the patterns, really, you know, understanding that there are certain times and areas and places in my life where um, the the desire for watching porn or, or going on these websites would be would, would peak at a certain time. And it's understanding that, too. Like, for example, you know, something simple like bringing your phone into the in, into the bathroom with you when you're going to have a shower and very easily look you're, you're getting naked you're going in the shower oh yeah I'll, I'll pop on a, a porn video um not it's not even that thought process but it's like it's, it's it's there and it's available and it's like okay don't bring the phone into the, into the into the bathroom okay let's eliminate that so it's it's sort of understanding the patterns and and, and the current habits you have based around that addiction so you can and make small changes to your to your habits and to your life. Now, in saying that, it took me a while to get to the point where I was 
completely free of it. You know, that didn't happen over a period of a week. It wasn't that I said, okay, I've got a porn addiction to stop watching porn. The conversation was getting so hot that it just like, this is what happened. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. I can, I, I, I can edit all this. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. Don't worry. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, definitely. Did, did you get all that though? Did it break up or did it just, I did hear like how important it is like not to bring the phone into the bathroom to completely, yeah, yeah. you know, to like detox from it and to like take it out of your life. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Ultimately under, understanding the, the, the pattern there, whereas, uh, you know, time like for a big a big thing for me was I could not be alone, and any opportunity I had on my own, porn was was my was my company, and I had to, yeah, that was difficult because um, obviously you're on your own, you've got your phone or laptop or whatever it is, it's just very easy, pop it open and and away you go. But the big thing for me was understanding. The consequences of my actions, as I mentioned to you earlier, when I watch porn and I'm, I'm finished watching it, and the job is done, this just empty feeling that I, that I would carry around I me, mean, not just for you know the next five minutes afterwards, but it would, it would affect me throughout the whole day and perhaps for days after that. I said, "Yeah, this is not. This is not good. I don't want to feel this empty, lonely feeling anymore." And yeah, so that was that was for me was big was big game changer. Whenever the desire of watching porn would come about, I would I would visualize how it would feel when it's all done. I said, you know what, uh, that's I don't to remember wanna, that empty. Yeah, I don't, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel that pain. It is. It's. 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 It is painful to feel mm-hmm. empty. You're empty in more ways than one, but you know what I mean. You just feel empty in your soul, and. Uh, completely lonely like loneliness has is a big factor was a big factor throughout that whole process i mean i was watching porn because i was lonely perhaps i was looking for a connection i had no female companion to 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 share these experiences with so yeah and then you start having real sex and real connections and yeah i uh i started to slow things down i started to take control of the situation as opposed to having a woman take control of the situation so, as you said, slowing things down really helped. You know, the touching, didn't do the whole breathing thing, but definitely touching and just taking it nice and slow. And as I said, before I would perhaps take let the woman take control of the situation and she would be the more dominant character when it comes to getting into the bedroom, but then you're expected to be the dominant person in that scenario. We can speak about that in a minute. So, but I started to slow things down and I started to take control of it. And I said, no, no, let's, let's just, you know what? I, I, I want to take this slow. Let's just take it nice and easy and, you know, get in the bed together and yeah, just, just go with the flow and yeah, bang, bang, boom, yeah. it's naturally happened. And it was, it was, it's, it's amazing. So, but that's, that's one thing I wanted to ask was actually something you mentioned there earlier was allowing the, the female to lead. And I feel that that can be quite intimidating for men when she she leads with her body. So she doesn't have to actually lead with her. She leads with her energy and her body and she leads with her voice when it's needed. And so one of the greatest practices a man can have is to be so in tune 
with a woman's movements and energy. And of course, when we've lost that intuition, it's a process and a practice of coming back to like feeling the energetics of the woman. And so a big thing that happened after the Me Too movement, which was a very needed movement, but again, there's shadow sides to all these movements is like men started to shrink. They started to become more neutered in a big way because they're like, well, if I'm in my masculine warrior power and I'm like in my penetrative force, then she's going to feel like I'm a perpetrator. I'm one of the bad guys. I'm in my toxic masculinity. When the truth is from all the women that I've worked with, we want to be ravished. We want to feel your energy. Sometimes we want to be thrown up against the wall. We want to know that you want us. But the trick and the in the in the just tool taking, here just taking notes here, yeah, just taking notes <laughs> is to know is to know when. So when you've established a level of safety, a level of consent, a level of understanding, and then you you've entered into that phase of the relationship that you know she wants you, you know that you are good sexually with this woman. I'm not saying ravish a woman up at a bar, but like just randomly, but like when you've established real connection with a woman. You know, we don't want to be asked, can you, like, sometimes women want that, but like, and it's like, can I kiss you could like ruin the moment. It's like, it, it would be so nice if a man could just read that body where I'm like, oh, okay. And like, I'm getting closer and closer. He can read the body language of like, oh, it's time to kiss her without having to ask, without having to like, be like, oh, is it okay if I do this? Or can, is it okay if I do that? Um, and so there's a fine line between really understanding the woman and being able to tune in and listen. But so many women, like we want that, like in that masculine power from our man, because it's such an incredible turn. That's how we surrender into our feminine. That's the dance of it. And a lot of women that I work with, they don't know how to surrender. They've had porn addictions. They've also been on the other side because they're so over-masculinized. They have to be at these CEO roles. You know, a big thing that I learned from one of my mentors was take your balls off when you get home. Like, because women literally have to put on balls to like go in, do the CEO role. Then you have to raise the kids. Like, it's an incredible thing that like women are, are doing now where it's like, we're playing so many different roles. And then- we're not used to not being in control. And so we attract these men who are way more in their feminine and we're way more in our masculine. And then we're not satisfied at the end of the day. And so it doesn't matter what role you want to play. If you want to play the masculine, if you want to play the feminine, but polarity means that you, there's one role that you pick. And so as a female, for me, who isn't really in touch with my femininity, I like to play that role. Now we, I love my masculine energy. I need it. I run a business. I do a lot of different things, but I know when to turn it off and the practice of the masculine or the man and his masculine energy is to know when to help her turn it off and help her surrender and come back down. And so a big practice that I give my clients is like really recognizing when you're in your masculine energy, when you're in your feminine energy and how to like not be in control. A lot of the women that I work with, they can only come if they're riding on top and like in control. They're not like laid back and surrendered. And so a big practice is like having them 
actually recognize like that that control is hindering them from being able to surrender even deeper. And so there's a level between just masturbating and self-pleasure. And so we start to take even these words out where it's like, I've had a lot of women who've had um, porn addictions as well, maybe different levels than men, but it, it does stem from control. It stems from um, not having that connection and it stems from being busy. And so it's like, really being able to come back down and be able to like use the imagination again, visualize again, and have a self-pleasure practice with themselves, um, which is not just like, okay, I'm going to like jack off and masturbate and like have an orgasm, boom, I'm done. Like that's actually very in their masculine energy. You know, I have a practice with my clients where they light the candles, they write down their intentions, they take out their crystal wander, you know, they, 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 they set a space and then they like literally make love to themselves. This is a very important self-pleasure practice because we start to become really in tune. Some women I've worked with have never had their own personal orgasms. And after we started to do this, they had their own orgasms besides just from the clitoris. They were able to have like a cervical orgasm um, with a man afterwards because they were able to slow down so much with themselves. So there's no right or wrong. There's no like one gender is doing this, one gender is not, or the masculine feminine energy. It's very important that we recognize that we're all dealing with the symptoms of modern society, that this is a big reaction to modern society, to the suppression of sexuality. Um, and so again, like men, like we want your masculine power. We want your warrior. We want that energy from you when you've created a safe container to be able to give that to us. We welcome it. And so many men, you know, like on the dating apps are like, oh, you know, maybe we could go for a walk. It was like a walk. <laughs> like what happened to like, hey, do you have plans on Wednesday? I'm going to take you out to dinner. You know, a lot of women we're just like, what happened to men? They're so like afraid or they're so like, just like shy and like not in their power. And it's probably because they've been rejected in the past. And they've also been told by society that that could be too much or penetrated, like their penetrative force is not welcomed because it's toxic. Um, and so there's a healthy balance of coming back into re recognizing that that warrior, that masculine power that comes from you is so wanted, is so excited. We're so excited to receive it, especially when you've established safety. Because mm -hmm. safety is so important, first and foremost, for a woman. Um, and when you've established that connection, then there's this like green light of like really being able to play in, into the dynamics of the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. I think that femininity has been suppressed somewhat, isn't it, by by the rise of feminism, isn't it? Because a lot of women now are in high positions at work, uh, CEO positions or managerial positions, and yeah, they've suppressed their their feminine energy. They come home then to their boyfriend or husband or partner, whoever it is, and yeah, as you said, they're they still got their balls on. They're still there, and the, the in that situation is there something the man can do to help bring bring up the, the feminine energy when the woman struggles to do it on her own mm -hmm. or or even 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 take it in a more simplistic context when you're meeting a woman for the first time perhaps or over over the course of a few dates and she's as i said she she's very masculine with her energy she's um uh, you can notice that she's suppressing her her femininity. Is there something the man can do to kind of bring that up in 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 those sort of scenarios? And obviously, then when it gets to the more intimate scenarios, intimate situations, 
it's yeah it's a lot better it's it's a lot more yeah. fulfilling for both both of them so can the man i think it's a really good question and something that i i have to ponder because there it's really challenging when a when a woman is so stuck in her like mask like when she's so stuck in her like i'm independent i don't need you i'm taking care of myself it's for me, it's like the only thing that the man can do is just be there and give presence, but that can be intimidating for women. Mm. Um, you know, or if he takes, if he takes the lead to like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, what do you want to eat? Like I, you know, like I'm seeing this, this, and this, how do you feel about it? Like a big practice that I give my clients is like, when you go out to dinner, like, you know, like let him lead, like, let him lead. Like, I love it personally. Like, this isn't all women, but like, I love it personally, like just order for us, like decide for us. Like, I want to be so surrendered in my feminine that like, I don't even, I can just let you lead. And then it like, it, it, it like invigorates the man. Cause then he's like, Ooh, like I can do this. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it's a powerful practice. Um, I think what's coming to me more so is to like, start to recognize that as a man, like, wow, she's really in her masculine power. She's really independent. This might not be the right relationship or the right date for me. Um, the only way that I can help, help her come into her masculine, help her come back into her feminine energies to maybe just like, you know, take her hands and just like, just say like, Hey, like to really share presence, presence, penetrative presence with a woman is so powerful. But if a woman is so stuck in her masculine, that could be scary for her. So there's, there's a very fine line. And that's why I, so much of my life work is to help women come into their feminine so that they can surrender more into that masculine energy that the man can provide without it being scary, without it being something that's like taking her out of control. So I don't have like a a perfect answer for that. Um, but I, I do think that that's something I'll continue to ponder as to like, what are things that men could do to help women, you know, be more in their feminine and big thing that's coming up for me is to just be in a very compassionate presence and also like taking the lead, like, don't like tell her like, Hey, I made reservations at 8 PM for us here at this restaurant. I'm going to send a car to pick you up, or I'm going to pick you up like take the lead and make the effort to do that. Then she will, it will be, she'll be like, what? He's going to do all that. Okay. Like that sounds amazing. She's automatically already going to be more surrendered just in you taking the lead and in, in, in that role. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like it. And then if we bring it back to an earlier stage where I've, I've got a lot of guys who work with me who struggle to actually find a woman to date and they're going through the dating sites. I don't know if you have Tinder over there, but yeah, I think you do have Tinder over there. So like Tinder is a big one here as well. And there's all these sort of dating sites and they're chatting back and forth to these women, but nothing's really happening. Then they might try some ideas. And a big thing that came from my podcast with Pat Steadman, who's a, a dating coach was, you know, don't depend too much on the dating apps focus on your social media and your Instagram page, perhaps. And, you know, they're going to experience your personality more so on those sites than they will on, on, on Tinder and these dating apps, and then strike up the conversations with them on, on Instagram. So a lot of the guys are doing that now. And obviously you follow up a girl or you send a girl a message and there may be a couple of responses. 
I don't know if you can answer this, but is there any is there any keys or is there any uh, any words or any any sort of approach that a man should take when it comes to striking up that that first date and and, and bringing her out um, again? Is it all a matter of him just taking control of that situation and just a couple of messages back and forth, see if it's a good vibe? You know, she's responding quite well, and just throw it out there. You know, after five messages say okay look you know i'm i'm free on thursday you're free on thursday let's go out and we'll we'll go for go for a walk go for some dinner and uh yeah is there any advice you can give those guys who are just stuck in a bit of a limbo when it comes to actually finding a woman to date or to initiate that first date yeah i can definitely see where his i can definitely see the social media approach being a good approach for sure um the nice thing about dating apps is there's a mutual interest in dating and that's already established. A lot of the dating apps have phone calls and have video call potential now, and there's already an established interest that you want to date. Um, so, um, I think that being able to approach a woman and getting her to a phone call, you know, getting, I, I, when I'm on a dating app, like I will never go on a date with a guy unless I get on a a video call or a phone call first. Um, because I want to feel out the energy before I like move forward because I'm a keeper of my time. Right. So for a man, he can do the same thing where it's like, Hey, like, instead of like chit chatting and going into small talk, like use your, use your masculine energy to be like, Hey, I'm interested in you. I'd love to get to know you better. Um, I wanted, I wanted to know if you were open for a phone call and then I'd love to take you out to dinner. You know, like, what would it look like to just, one of my girlfriends actually just met this guy on a dating app. And he, they literally match and he's like, can I take you out to dinner? And she's like, yes. And he's like, how about Wednesday at seven? Yes. And it was that easy. It was literally that easy. I think we are complicating it um, to an extreme that is like, we're just so afraid of rejection that comes back to our own inner power. Like know your worth know what you have to offer and what you have to give and what you, who you are. That's a really, really powerful thing. Everything is energetics. And so if you can go into the conversation with that, like, I'm so excited. I just match with a woman who excites me. Like why diddle daddle with small talk, like get into it, you know, ask her to dinner, ask her on a phone call, show your interest. Women love that. That helps us surrender back into our feminine. Cause yeah. we're always, we're always like, you know, there's a fine line for women too, of having to be in our masculine and like doing all these things, um, in our daily lives that it's, it's very refreshing when a man can just be like, yeah, can we go to dinner? Um, I'm, I'll pick you up at seven. Like, it's really that simple. And if there's been some talks and a call beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, just, I think it's, I think it's about simplifying it and being penetrative in your energy and in, in the sense of just going after what you want, you will be very much more well-received. And I think you'll get a lot more dates because of that energy. Be proactive. Yeah. It's yeah. The big thing too, as I mentioned, a lot of, um, a lot of women have suppressed their femininity, but a lot of men as well have, have suppressed their masculinity. And a lot of this mm-hmm. comes back to absent fathers and their childhood is a, is a, is a big thing that's, that's caused that and spending, way too much time with their mothers and not really breaking off that mother-son bond that goes right back to childhood that's a whole other rabbit hole so there is uh and obviously that's a lot of work i do with the men is to try and bring that masculinity up and and encourage them to take more control of the situations ultimately to 
get rid of this this nice guy persona you know this nice guy persona who's um you know all receiving and all complimentary and you know really dipping his toes in the water when it comes to dating or, or women or relationships in general and waiting for her to almost pull him along it's like no that's that's not going to happen you're the man here you take control of the situation you lead the way um that's again as you said the woman sort of leads with her body and maybe the man leads with his with his voice and uh, maybe that's the intertwinement between the masculinity and the femininity that we've been trying to establish here perhaps yeah i mean what happens when you when you play the nice guy and you're in that role now there's something so beautiful about being sensitive and being in tune with the feminine and being nice. Like that's really a powerful, but you know, you're going to attract women who are more in their masculine. It's just the polarity that's going to be attracted. So then you attract these more masculine women and then you're like the nice guy. And then you feel like you're getting walked on or stepped all over because she now cannot like surrender. And it just creates this like mismatch of polarity. And so, yeah, by a man, like really like stepping more into his masculine power, trusting in his self, trusting in his body, trusting in what he can provide and what he can offer to a woman. Um, I think he will be much in a much better place to be able to attract if he really wants that like softer feminine woman. Um, then he gets to step into his more warrior masculine and like, you know, I was like, beat your chest, like feel your power in your body. That's something that's so like taken for granted is, is the power of the masculine. And it's so being so neutered in our society. So I'm so grateful that your work is out there helping these men step into that and not to be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And likewise for you, uh, with, with the women you work with. And this has been quite a mind blowing conversation and, <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and your energy and your valuable knowledge. Uh, I'm sure the listeners have taken so much from this. I really appreciate it. And uh, Summer, if, if guys, ladies listen to this podcast, want to reach out to you and get in touch, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram at summerlovenow. You can also look up my website, summerlovenow.com. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to connect with you. If you, if you do follow, send me a message that you came through the podcast so that I know, and yeah, I really appreciate today's conversation. And, um, I feel like there's so many, there's so many, there's so many codes and so many different things that we could go into. Yeah. Um, but I, I want us to all remember the power of our sacred sexuality, the power of our energetics within our body how important it is to to really release that shame and guilt so that we can step into our greatest creations here on the planet because i truly believe that it's not just our dream it's the dream of the earth and we are the dream of the earth incarnated we are here to do this so that we can help heal this planet which is so needed right now so thank you for taking the time out to listen to this and thank you so much for for having me on absolute pleasure summer thank you so much Till next time. Till next time. <laughs>